Welcome to the Blueprint Podcast, where we throw out the old blueprint so you can become who you were always meant to be. I'm your host, Jason Smith, and if you haven't already, make sure you share this podcast with your friends on social media and tag me in it at jbirdfit. Today, we have Creative Jen. Hello and welcome. Live. How are you? I'm I'm good. Today's been a busy day so far, trying to play catch up with editing all the videos. This is day eight, and I think I'm on video three, so I have a lot of catching up to do with that. Yeah. I'm going to get you an editor. I know. Uh, That that (laughs) would be really great, but not there yet. Maybe 2024, that can happen, which would be awesome. Dream big. I have been dreaming big. You absolutely have to. I like your hat. Thanks. And this has been like a common question that I keep hearing people ask over and over again. I was listening to Craig Siegel when I was mowing the yard today and he was asking Rebecca Zung, do you believe in manifestation? Are you asking me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Tell everybody who you are, what you're all about, who you help and just how amazing you are. My name is Jennifer Portland. I go by Creative Jen across the social media platforms that I am on. (laughs) (laughs) I started Creative Jen as a new social media platform in 2021, spring 2021. I was going off of the Gary Vee train of thought of if you don't know what content to make, or if you're starting video and you don't know what to talk about, just talk about what you And I was like, talk about relationships. And it ended up evolving through the discourse on TikTok with my audience there into conversations about masculine and feminine energy unintentionally. And then so later that year, I started that in fall 2021. And that's been a really incredible experience. So yeah, an unintentional reroute from the universe, but I love it. So what were you doing before all of this? Man, I'm like a cat. I've lived like 12 lives. I went to university to become a pastor. So I studied, uh, yeah, so I studied theology in my undergrad. I moved out to California to go to seminary. And it was then that I was, it was towards the end of my five-year plan for undergrad (laughs) that I was like, this Kool-Aid isn't tasting so good anymore. I was, that was like the beginning of my deconstruction process. And that was, it's probably still going on to some degree, but yeah, I I had moved out to California to go to seminary and I rerouted into administrative assisting, started working in tech, worked there for, worked in tech in the Bay area for a few years and then started teaching yoga, did that for a couple of years, then came back to Minnesota and that's when I started creative in 2020. And what made you get into instructing yoga I was a I was another white blonde girl what else was I supposed to do no <laughs> no it was I think it was a part of my deconstruction process I wasn't really sure what I believed anymore so I really did do a lot of, of appropriation <laughs> trying to figure out what I believed and that was a big part of it yeah so i traveled around and taught yoga in south america and southeast asia and then back in the bay area as well and and it was definitely some a necessity a necessary part of my journey but yeah it wasn't where i landed i love that you call it a deconstruction 
for so many of us, we look at it like a shift or a pivot. And that's a very intentional word to use is that it's a deconstruction because we're unlearning old patterns of behavior, the way that we think, act and feel. And it's truly looking at yourself through a lens and trying to make a determination of who am I really? Where am I going? What am I doing? And why am I doing this? And that's just so huge. And it's why so many people are here today for the 21 day self-love challenge because they're in that place right now of trying to figure out I've been married for 20 years. I just got divorced. My kids are grown. I don't know who I am. I don't know what's next for me. Mm -hmm. What would you tell somebody who's in that spot right now that's looking for that next thing or trying to get back to a place where they used to be? You'll never get back to where you used to be, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. And I always say that life and healing, which is all that healing is our journey through consciousness, right? It's, I always say it's like a beautiful onion. There's always going to be another layer that's going to make you cry and really settling into the discomfort of life is the beauty of life. It's the beauty towards the rose. There's, you're going to encounter a thorn or two or 10. (laughs) Right. That's always what I call chronic resilience because you're always hitting those thorns and it's, ah, here we go again. But then eventually you hit a point where it's okay. I'm going to go ahead and learn this lesson now. And I think that oftentimes we feel that there's something, especially in, in the West and this Westernized pop culture idea of healing is that it's there's a there is a destination or at least a cleaner experience than what the reality of life is for all of us it's ugly there's tears there's heartache there's pain it's not easy to be in this life is to experience pain and my journey through this life has been how can i alchemize this pain to the best of my ability not for the, not to just produce something for somebody else to be like, that is alchemy, but what is that for me? And it's going to look different for everybody, but I think the more we can settle into the fact that life is pain, <laughs> right, it's suffering. it is suffering, the less we will feel isolated in our own experience of shame because we are not what we expect ourselves to be outside of the experience of inevitable pain. Yeah, that suffering is directly linked to the expectations of a life that we haven't created for ourselves yet. Yeah, and even get rid of the yet. And what if it never happened? One one thing that I, I tell my female clients when they embark upon dating is always picture as is stamped on a guy's forehead. You're never gonna change a man, right? And I think right. it's a good thought to have about life. Okay, what if nothing in my life changed outside of this moment, who I am right now today? What if nothing changed, right? Could I make a beautiful life? Could I make a beautiful life with just this here and now? And that's the question that I, revert back to or find myself revisiting again and again and life is flow right there's going to be times where we find ourselves really grounded in that question and like in flow with that question and then there's times when we get ahead of ourselves and think forward to the future or we revert back with memories of the past and then we cyclically come and realize oh wait i'm going to bring a little bit of consciousness to where my mind is at 
it maybe isn't here in the present moment, how can I bring it back and remember once again, what if there was nothing else outside of this present moment, which because there isn't, right? right. And that's the key to this whole experience of life and, and self-love, right? It is just the now, this present moment. I always ask people, if nothing changes with your partner, and this is who they're always going to be for the rest of their life, because that's mm -hmm. their emotional capacity. They're not on this healing journey. They're not on this path. They're not going in a similar direction of you in that regard. Right. Can, can you love them anyway, recognizing their emotional capacity? People really struggle with that question. Yeah. And I think it's often everything's a mirror, right? right. The oftentimes, especially with my clients who are anxious attachers or recovering codependents, what we see is I have neglected myself to such a degree that I'm so used to putting effort and energy into those that I've been taught are more worthwhile or have more value than myself, which is in the mind of the codependent, everybody, right? So if I put all this energy and attention onto somebody else, it really excuses me from answering that question about myself. If I didn't change, if nothing about me changed, am I still valuable? Am I still worthwhile? Then am I st am worthwhile? Am I still lovable? Even if I stop producing and providing for everybody else, even if I stopped helping somebody else create the best version of themselves, am I still worthy of? And so what is the answer that you often get from that? Depends on the person. I think that for it's for a lot of women, my the vast majority of my clients are female clients. It it is seen as a part of the code of being a woman is to constantly care for, right? Care for others and put others in, in front of yourself. A big part of self-worth in the programming of the mind of the of the feminine is what can I do in terms of caring for the collective, right? And it's oftentimes a very masculine output, but it's coded in our culture as femininity. When we kind of strip away, okay, if you stop doing all of this for other people, is that question, am I valuable? There's a little resistance to it at first, but I think it's more of an aha moment that is a pivot point. I think a lot of people, I believe deep down people do understand that they are lovable. It's just one of, one of my favorite quotes is our goal is not to, I think it's by Rumi, our goal is not to seek love, but instead to seek the barriers we've built from it and bringing that internally. What is the barrier? Why do I feel I can't just say I am lovable? And I think that oftentimes it comes a lot for women is being perceived as maybe egoic, self-centered. I think that there's a lot of programming, but when we kind of strip away the programming and dive deep into the question, women, or at least my clients that I've spoken with, there's a little bit of resistance, but I think everybody truly deep down does believe that they are an image of the creator, that they are a reflection of God, that they're trying to figure it out, but there's a little bit of murkiness, but I think that innate knowing that we are the creator itself, we are the creation itself. I think that does resonate with the vast majority of people. I think for so many of us, especially for those who identify with an anxious attachment, it's I gave up all of myself for the benefit of you. Mm -hmm. 
so that you could be everything that you could be. And it turns into this, my love will save you. My love will help you. And it makes it really difficult to get out of these situations and out of these relationships because we're so used to people pleasing and being in the state of mind where I have to constantly give. And then that turns into that runner chaser dynamic in a mm -hmm. relationship. And it ultimately causes rejection. And what you, what they don't realize a lot of the times is there's a boundary that needs to be put in place. And that's the, your actual boundary of you, who you are as a person, because mm -hmm. we lose ourselves in the other person trying to do for the other person, thinking that this is love. This is what it looks like. I have to give all of me for you to be you, but then we're trying to change the other person in the process. We have some expectations that aren't being met through all of that. And it gets, like you said, it gets really murky, really cloudy. And the barrier is just often that we're trying to change that other person so that we can feel valuable within ourselves, that I was able to gain this person's love through my doing, through my being. Yeah. And I think the runner chaser dynamic, when I say that relationships are mirrors, I really mean that. So like when you are as an anxious attacher and this isn't like they, you, it's, I only know this because I've been it. The, when you are producing and providing so much for somebody else, uh, somebody else and for their betterment and helping them build, it's like the barber, the builders of the world. Like, how can I create this man and then be like, you owe me. Essentially, that's what the energy is. You now owe me, right? right? Which is really hard for us here as recovering codependents, that at the end of the day, it's a very covertly manipulative experience. And the runner chaser that you're perceiving in the 3D with this other person running away from you, that is just you running away from yourself. That's all it is. Right. And so the more we can bring everything, you know, I say that everything that happens in the physical is a metaphor for what's taking place in the spiritual. So anything that's happening in your 3D reality is what's taking place in the spiritual realm. And so if you're able to understand that that person running away from me is it's not about them. It's why am I running away from myself? What is it that I'm running away from within me? And the more you can sit with the discomfort of that question, because the only reason that we would have put so much effort into somebody that would essentially reject us at the end of that experience is because we do that to ourselves all the time. Right. It's just a mirror. So how can I sit with the discomfort of why do I keep abandoning myself? That question and sit with it and ask it and answer it. I think what you'll find at the end of it, there's going to be a lot of tears, but you're <laughs> yeah. going you're gonna to find a very true knowing that, wait a minute. Yeah. Everything I need is within me. Oh, okay, cool. Now I can shift. So what does that mean? Everything I need is within me. That's a big question. Well, and we can take it a step further and just go spiritual realm for beginners, the healing journey for beginners. If they've never heard this language before, yeah. how can we help the help others understand what we're talking about? Yeah. So what we let's maybe bring it back a little bit. So when we are talking about relationships being mirrors, the love that we put out already exists within us or that we're trying to experience a love outside of ourselves. I think that 
yeah so we're gonna have to get into like all the experience of like where do, how far do we want to go in this rabbit hole that everything is a projection of your own consciousness or yeah we can go into all of it but it's i want to try to simplify things a little bit for people who maybe right. haven't heard alchemy what is alchemy what does it mean to alchemize your your feelings or your emotions or experiences what does that look like so let's kind of start at least in terms of my framework, what felt like the beginning for me, which was my Western Christian programming around self. Jungian psychology noted the experience of like light and shadow portions of the self, right? And in Western culture, we see that this like Judeo-Christian conversation of not being good enough, right? You're innately born with sin, right? And that the experience of salvation is reaching for something outside of the self, right? Also, a lot of the programming in, in terms of what the church speaks to is sacrifice, self-sacrifice and submission specifically on the part of women, right? And so there are all these things that are built within, our, within, within the Western matrix that are constantly telling us that we're not good enough right? And this is very separate from Christ consciousness, the person of Christ. This is just the norms of the church that I'm speaking to. And so when we look at how that or I'm sorry, how that kind of impacts the family unit, and then the programming of the portions of the self, like the light and the shadow. So the light is everything that we push out or amplify in order to ensure acceptance within a community the shadow is everything that we we reject or repress in order to avoid rejection from said community and so this looks different for everybody but it's going to be based on kind of the norms of space and time so when were you born where were you born and then the macro and micro expressions of that so your culture and then the subcultures therein right and for the vast majority of us were like always whether consciously or unconsciously weighing, okay, what is a behavior or expression of myself that would have me risking rejection from this community? And how do I edit that? And then what's an expression of self that would I could amplify in order to ensure acceptance, right? And so we're always like weighing out what's an authentic expression of self. And within our space time, especially as women, we are seeing, we see that it's much more valuable for me to constantly give of myself, right? When we're doing that from an unconscious place, you're like, this is just what the feminine does, right? It's what we're expected to do. We don't question it. And then you're seeing this like mass awakening of the feminine. If you're on TikTok, you might be privy to it where everybody's give me the fuck out of relationships, right? right. <laughs> and end of the stick for a really long time. And the masculine is just like, wait, what the fuck? I thought everything was fine. They're feeling emotionally catfished by the whole experience. And it's the shifting that we're seeing where women are really starting to understand in, in a very like tangible way that I'm given and nothing comes back to me. I'm not getting what I expected to get at the end of this. So when we look at what does it mean to, what does it mean that everything I need is within myself in, in the scope of this bigger conversation, we want to 
we're seeing the aftermath of a collective that has not asked that question, right? How do we as individuals and then as a collective ask that question before everything implodes on itself, before the institution of marriage is just done with and women are too late hands and everything. So what we want to see is women understanding that actually everything I need is within and of myself. I'm not lacking anything. We want men to do this as well, but we're seeing this, we're seeing the exodus from women. We're seeing the, the squeaky wheel getting the oil in terms of the conversation. We, there's a lot of kind of fear around this feminine awakening, I think particularly on the part of the masculine, but it's actually beneficial. That's pendulum swing of energy. It's going to come back. But what we want to allow is women to explore this state of consciousness. Wait, okay. There isn't anything outside of me, this whole kind of like script that I've been sold that I lose my value when I turn 30. If I don't have children, if I don't have a husband, I'm I essentially useless in society. I did all the good. I was a good girl. I did all the things right. And I'm still unhappy. So experientially, a lot of women can understand what it means that there's nothing outside of yourself. And I don't mean to like just direct this conversation towards the feminine, but it's like my wheelhouse. So sure. So how can we actively ask ourselves and teach our children and have communities and safe spaces where we could have these conversations of what does it mean to truly value myself in and of myself outside of what I can produce and provide for anybody else? or what I expect them to return to me based on my production that I've given them. That's a big, it's a, it's, I don't know if I answered your question or even got it, got close. <laughs> no, it's, there, there's so much going on in society. And I think it's really hard for people to feel anchored in something that feels good physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually for them. Right. So I think a lot of people are, they're, they're searching, they're looking, and they're trying to find hope in places where maybe they haven't had that before. And we look at how the boomers, they don't tend to leave their jobs. And that's created like this backup of Gen Xers that are looking to gain higher level positions that, you know, and the cycle just goes on and on down the line. And so with each generation comes a different set of questions. Right. And hopefully, at some point, we also get some answers within that. Now, for me, I'm just a simple guy in the middle of Illinois, and a lot of these things are beyond what I consider my pay grade. I don't have the background, the knowledge, the ability to to think that clearly or that deep on a lot of different things. So I try to make things really easy and bite-sized to get through. And so that about, I love your content. That, that feeling of not enoughness yeah. is universal. And it's not just the masculine or the feminine. Right. We, we all experience this and it's for a variety of different reasons. Everybody's right. going to have their own thought process on it. It's because of this one thing. And it's, it's not because of that one thing. It's actually right. because you're not showing up and doing the work, putting in the effort, doing the 21 day self-love challenge, going to the gym, taking care of yourself, journaling. Like there's all these basic skills that just weren't taught to us as children that now 
as an adult, you feel incomplete. You're frustrated. You're irritated. You're sad. You're lonely. You're depressed. You never learned how to integrate your uh, emotions from the past. These experiences that left you feeling less than and battered and angry and resentful. And so you carry that with you. And then this just becomes the cycle of life. It's the epigenetics of our family line. It just right. continues on and on. And we love to use all these really complicated words to explain all this stuff. But when you really take it down to some of the most basic issues, it comes down to, do you love yourself? And, right. and I love even more that I had the opportunity to interview John Kim, the angry therapist, and he flipped that around a little bit. He's so I, I'm not a fan of self-love. I'm more a fan of self-like. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's really fair because it's like, what does love mean? And that was actually what I was thinking when you had reached out to me. What is yeah. what does love mean? And what did you come up with? What does it mean? I think it's going to, I don't know if it's answerable. I, I do love the ins scripture on it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's very, it's a very, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But what does it mean to, to love ourself? Right. And it, I think it's easy to say self-love, but right. how do I show that? And then I think also as so much of conversation manifestation and self-love and all of these kind of, I guess, new age spiritual, for lack of a better term, even though it's not technically new age, right? But if we talk about those concepts, like, what does it, how does it actually resonate within the soul outside of the experience? And I hate the, I hate using boogeyman language in patriarchy and capitalism, but actually, right. if I were, I was talking to a client the other day, and I was like, if you were going to manifest and money was like literally didn't exist. You didn't have to buy or you didn't have to purchase anything. You didn't have to make money to purchase anything. What would you manifest? And it's like this, whoa, that's, it's very discombobulating framework for manifestation, especially as Westerners, because it's a lot of our, we're in a produce provide culture. What does that mean? And then so much of our self-worth, especially for men, is tied up in what can I create within the 3D? Men are the rulers of the 3D, women are the rulers of the 5D. So men are like, I take thing from here to here and I build <laughs> and it's tangible and everyone can see it. And then I get money from that. And that's men are the rulers of that. And women are like connected to spirit. They're getting that download and they're instructing men with their intuition, right? The masculine that will listen. But how for the masculine specifically, this is a good question for the men in the group, like how do you define self-love if all of these experiences of how you value yourself within the 3D were no longer available to you? What does it mean to love the self? Like, what is that really at the end of the day? Yeah, I always call it physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You're looking and seeking to become the best version of yourself. And we say that, and people are like, oh, the best version. Maybe I don't have a best version in my head of what that looks like. And well, I would say your best version, sorry to interrupt, is yeah. the you right now, right? So whatever is here now is the best version, right? Because nothing else exists, right? So if we think about time, we measure it in three parts, past, present, future. And then if we think about, and so the neutral point in time is this present moment. If we think about the chakra system, we see 
three lower chakras, three upper chakras, and the central one is the heart space, right? So the neutral point in the chakra system is the heart. So if we're aiming for love, I think the better word is neutrality. How can I feel not fully activated or not fully repressed in any moment? Just neutrally authentic in and of myself. Acceptance, right? Maybe that feels a little bit more true than I love myself because I think love feels like a very the conversation that we have around it is very romanticized and very idealized. And once I get to this point of self-expression or self-experience, then I'll be worthy of my own love. And that, that goalpost is always moving. So like, how can I love the here and now self? How can I and love? How can I accept? How can I accept ah, see? what is? Yeah, there it is. Yeah. It's acceptance. Can I accept who I was? for all the the good and bad can i accept who i am now and be okay with who i'm becoming and if you're not okay with who you're becoming then there's a little work to do in there somewhere yeah and i think i don't know because who are we becoming at any moment it depends because if we're talking about manifestation that comes with visualization which comes with a future target so then you have to think about the future and then that allows you to think about the things that you potentially lack in the present moment to achieve that targeted goal in the future, whatever that looks like. It can just simply be, can I function better as a human being? Can I love more? Can I give more? Can I be more? Can I show up and allow people to uh, feel seen, heard, loved, and understood? Am I making those connections? Do I have the ability to do that? And I love having this conversation with men because I think there is, we want to pay attention to that men are operate on a 24 hour cycle, right? So you guys can get up and do the same thing every single day, right? And women were on a- And I do. So that experience of, are you working towards your goal? Like manifestation, visualization, future. I, that's one thing I appreciate about the masculine is because typically they're able to be like day in and day out, no days off. And women were like, how do I do this every month? Wait, it's just this big loop that's happening. It's going to look different for men and women. And I think that additionally, the experience of having the visual for the future, it's important. One of the key things with manifestation is it's not really about the thing. It's more about embodying the feeling that I want to, that I think I will have in obtaining that, which I desire. Okay. I want a Ferrari. Okay, you could sit and visualize a Ferrari, but if the goal is to imagine what you will feel like in the receiving of that Ferrari, and that's the energy you want to embody right now in this present moment, right? That's the goal. That's the hack for manifestation. Everything that is in our current 3D reality is the law of attraction, right? Once we click into consciousness and we observe the mirror that the law of attraction has presented us, we can say, wow, I don't really like this. Cool. Now I'm going to step into the law of assumption and assume that everything that I desire desires me right back. And uh, the hack for all of it is this now present moment feeling the way that I feeling good just because it feels better to feel good than to not feel good. So I had the opportunity to interview Mary Catherine McDonald, author of Unbroken, and she talks about happy little joys. Okay. And yeah. can you find the joy in the present moment, regardless of your circumstances? 
And believe me, I've had my own fair share of tough cir circumstances. And I wish I had this mindset in that time period because it probably potentially could have helped me through that difficult time in that moment to be able to take myself and step back for a moment, learn to regulate myself to be enough in this present moment because it's the only moment that will ever exist is right now and actually find joy even though I was suffering or going through something extremely difficult. Yeah. And also accepting the fact that you're going to have more moments like that. You didn't crack the code, not you specifically, but just right. us as humans in general. There's because life is flow state, like the more you can like just, and it's that like surfer saying of life is the wave, man. I actually, is, is that your best surfer? No. <laughs> I'm from Minnesota, clearly, but like a free diver, right? Like how are they able to go for such an extended amount of time without oxygen? They're accepting the current state. They're not resisting what is. So the moment you start, if you're free diving or riding the wave, man, <laughs> the moment that you resist what is the moment that you'll start drowning? It's like, oh shit, like this is actually uncomfortable and I don't want to be experiencing this and this isn't how it should be. But if you're able to be like, okay, just relax into it. This, it is what it is in the most profound and simple way. It is what it is, right? The experience of acceptance. And I think what we're getting to is that in terms of this conversation between us, love Self-love is self-acceptance and self-acceptance is accepting whatever is at any given moment around you without resistance. Yeah. I always say the mantra of the feminine is allow, observe, decide. Allow what is to be. Observe if you enjoy it and then decide if you want something different. And it's true for men and women. We all have masculine and feminine energy, but I teach women. Go into that for a second. What is masculine and feminine energy? So if we bring it all the way back to Metatron's cube and the flower of life is like the ether of existence and then the molecular structure of the atoms, right? And sorry, the atoms. So everything in, in our 3D reality is, is built upon that, right? Expanded out. And so fast forward through space and time, we see the, you know, the, the chakra system, right? So you're gonna, and that's like the most commonly, I, I refer to the chakra system in my teachings, even though I, I see energy differently, but it's the most commonly, it's the most known. So there's going to be seven points of energy, uh, within the body. It's a very simplified version of that, but seven points of energy goes like up the spine and it's going to be masculine, feminine, masculine, feminine, wait, masculine, feminine, masculine, feminine, masculine, feminine, and then dual. So when I say that everybody has both masculine and feminine energies, like each chakra uh, or energy center of the body, either is an output yang experience, or it is an input yin energy. So it's either receiving or giving, right? So when I talk about masculine and feminine energy, it's really not to refer to cultural norms of masculinity or femininity, though it can definitely manifest in that way in some points of the conversation. So when men show up more in their feminine energy, how do women respond to that in relationships? So we're going to want to talk about what does it mean for a man to show up in his feminine energy? Then we're getting, 
So I would say for this space and time, right, in our culture, what does it mean for a man to show up in his masculine energy? What does it mean for him to show up in his feminine energy? Conversely, I think that the way that the way that I see energy is it's in three parts. So there's the lower trine, the upper trine. So upper three, three chakras, lower three chakras, and the heart space. Typically, what I'm the patterning I've seen is that women are predominantly in the upper trine, right? They're the connectors from the 40, fourth dimensional energy, heart space energy, time, right, into the more upper dimensional realities. Men are the lower three chakras, so first, second, third dimension, up into the heart space. The only place that the two can communicate and connect, really, because they live in different realities, is through meeting in the heart space. Ain't that the truth? If the heart space is blocked, then there's no communication. There's no way that they're getting there. What we're so 2023. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. And what we see... So typically I see the patterning I see is that men are existing in the lower trine predominantly. They're like producing, providing, moving something from point A to point B in space and time. And that they're creating the safety and structure for the experience of the feminine to be able to feel safe in the 3D so that she can download directly from source, right? The experience of toxic masculinity, let's go that route, is when there's too much energy in the lower trine, it's too dominantly there, right? They had the heart, spot, the heart space is typically blocked. So that energy gets stuck and you'll start to see traits of narcissism, overt narcissism. You'll see the, the sins of the masculine and the 3D are very overt. Right. Also another conversation of why it's easier to call it the masculine than the feminine oftentimes, because their sins are overt. It's very clear when there's been a masculine, <laughs> masculine doing wrong. So that's where you see toxic masculinity. Toxic femininity is when the heart space is blocked and the crown is blocked. So you'll often see people on this loop, right? There's a lot of thought. It's like an anxious thought. And then it's like birds but there's not much input. You can't really, there's no, it's just this kind of like consciousness loop that's taking place. Nobody's connecting to spirit. And this is both men and women can experience toxic femininity or toxic masculinity. So for more on that, check out Jordan Peterson. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the, because toxic femininity is like this push it's this kind of experience where there's too much energy in the mind. They the feminine spends a lot of time in the ethereal realms and when that's consolidated and it's blocked from the heart space from being funneled down and balanced and it's not we're not getting a download from spirit that's when you see it go into manipulation so you're going to see more bpd tendencies more covert narcissism things of that nature i will say i'm not a huge fan of the whole putting toxic before everything yeah. From my perspective, again, I try to make it so much simpler because I'm not that smart of a person. I've I've had to push through to get all of my degrees and all that other fun stuff. I was the dumb kid, right? Everybody. ADHD. <laughs> it, it, yeah, that's, and that's what everybody tells me. They're like, Jason, you just have ADHD. And I'm just like, you know, I haven't gone to get any testing done, although it all resonates with me. And I just finished yeah. ADHD 2.0 listening to that book, which was really good. I'm like, shoot, maybe. Yeah, yeah I was, <laughs> you know, it makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah. I was yeah. like diagnosed, diagnosed ADHD. And, she, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but I also hate labels, right? And I hate yeah. words. I hate words like toxic because there's behaviors. And when we start looking at behavior, it, can you as an individual identify behaviors and other people that you don't like, does not resonate with you? Cool. Now we have a boundary we have to put in place because we recognize that we don't like that. And so we get really complicated with our language and we love to use all these big words because they sound good and they put them on the news and all these different places and it's on TikTok all day long. But what does it mean for you, the individual who's going to go work your eight or 10 hour a day job and catch the bus and you're working really hard? Maybe you got two or three other jobs like this stuff isn't helpful for you right now in the space for you to yeah. help navigate your difficulty, your trying time. So we want to try to simplify things. So in recognizing that there's behaviors you don't like, that can allow you to start taking your power back from certain people and certain situations. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about there are conversations that are just like solely online conversations, right? Like yeah. how often are you like out on a date and you're going to be like, maybe I don't know, somebody's talking about the patriarchy or I will say more often than not actually nowadays. But. The, the second that word even gets mentioned in like texting or anything, it's like, I'm done. Well, and I don't think that's fair because it's, I understand it's, it's just like I said earlier, it's just this kind of like boogeyman that is, what does that mean? And I do say toxic masculinity and toxic femininity because I think it, it has a, it kind of resonates in the collective. Like people know what I'm referring to, but I think that sometimes it, they they still have their own definitions for, for things sure. yeah absolutely but i think that what we're seeing in terms of the labeling of toxic masculinity specifically is it's it's just masculinity right right there's definitely toxic masculinity don't get me wrong there <laughs> there are men out here doing some shady shit but i think what's the feminine in some arenas it's like cutting off the nose to spite the face right like we're missing the boat because we're creating this vast boogeyman yeah and even when we talk about stoicism i feel like that gets greatly misunderstood it's not suppression that's not what it's about it's about managing your thoughts feelings and emotions and there's a lot of value in that so it's like what people are asking for at the end of the day is they want the man to understand who he is, where he's going, what he's doing, why he's doing it, and to be able to have empathy throughout that process and to show up and be consistent and be capable. That, that's the expectation. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing toxic about that. It becomes toxic through our language and the way that we look at things. And it's the idea that guess what? Our brains are different. We communicate at different levels, like you said, from the 3D to 5D. But then the language that we use often doesn't match up as well because we like to use terms like vulnerability. As a former police officer and anybody who's had any type of tactical experience, military members, you use that word, they're going to say, okay, hole in the defenses. So another word that we might want to use if you're trying to speak the same language and get on the same page would be intimacy. So if we use intimacy, now all of a sudden we're getting much closer to coming to a, a resolution or an understanding on a particular issue or problem because we're starting to use the same language. Yeah. And I think when we think about the desire, what you're, what is the feminine desiring, right? I think it feels like a losing game for, if I were to be 
speaking on behalf of men right now. Um, it, That's the age old question. Right. It may feel like. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. Right. I think that when we talk about men are the rulers of the 3D, women really don't want anything different than what has historically been provided to them outside of. <laughs> no, it, it's true because you see it on TikTok all the time. Yeah, outside of being abused by the masculine, women don't want anything different. They want men to be doing the same thing, showing up consistently, producing and providing. It's just now the feminine is awakening, right? They desire the masculine to bring the heart space forward. We want a masculine with an activated heart space now. And what is going to set any man apart now is his ability to have an open heart space and connect with the feminine from that open heart space heart space activation fourth dimensional energy the hack to all of that remember is this neutral point in the energetic body the neutral point in time okay how can i be present that is the most powerful thing you can do as a man not just being there physically but how can you provide your presence to a woman by asking do you want advice on this or do you just want me to listen <laughs> the answer is typically going to be just listen. <laughs> well, and you would think by now that enough jokes have been made about this that like people would just catch on and get it. Like, okay, you're upset. And yeah, really, it has nothing to do with me. You're upset about something in your own universe, your own world, and you're trying to navigate that with me but you just want my presence. You just want me to be here with you. And here's the hack. Typically, if a woman's like complaining about something in the 3D that you could fix with your hands, fix it, right? Like her hanging up a picture or something in, something in the 3D, then she wants you to fix it. If it's something to do with friendships, her thoughts, her kind of what's going on in the upper, upper realms of ex existence, then it's just can open your heart and be there in the present moment with her and just sit and listen. And this is why it's important to learn your partner, who they are, what they're all about, what do they like to experience, ask deeper questions, get to know the person. Right. Everything seems so transactional nowadays and it just, it doesn't have to be that way, but we also have to cultivate that with one another. Yeah, and it's, goes back to that original question. How do we cultivate that with others? Well, we do it first with within and of ourselves, yeah. right? The people that are like the most authentic people I found are the people that they don't have any shame, not in a bad way, but they just, they're fully like, they accept themselves. They love themselves. They don't have any judgments of themselves. And that makes me feel like I can be a more free version of myself a more authentic version of myself in their presence, right? And so how, my one thing that I'm always aiming towards is how can I provide that for other people? Yeah, how can you? Yeah, and I think it's just always going back to my experience within and of myself. There, There is nothing that I'm lacking. Everything I need, I have right now. There, I'm always divinely guided in everything that I do. Everything I desire, desires me right back. So it's just this constant reiteration of, yeah, I'm a reflection I am the creator. I am the created. I'm a reflection of God's source, unity, consciousness, and I'm an expression, one piece of the quilt. And so how can I accept my swath, right? Like, how can I accept what I've been created to be or what I manifested myself to be or what I reincarnated to be in this realm? Jen? Yeah. What have you been created to be? Jen. <laughs> and 
here I am giggling. <laughs> That's funny. So let's shift gears a little bit. Yeah. Dating apps. How do you feel about those? I think I did a video. I did a few videos on this. I for no, it's a no go, especially for men. I think it's really contributing to this kind of perception of rejection that men are having. It's not real. So what is it like? The numbers on it are something like it's seven to one men to women or something like that on dating apps. And then of that percentage, gosh, what is it? Do you know the numbers on dating apps? Have you heard this? No. It's like I hate dating apps. Yeah, rightfully so because like because, because of, I'm five six and I'm forty five years old and I don't make six figures. But that's also an annoying thing. I just think like I always say, never underestimate a shoddy. The I don't know. I've had boyfriends that like where I think one of them was over six foot. Like it's just not that big of a deal to women. I promise you, it's not. But, but on but on dating online, but on dating apps, it is. Yes, but you're also not seeing. Okay, so what's happening on dating apps? I think that it's. I'm so blanking. I wish I had the stats with me right now, but I know you're a stats girl. You can move on from it. You're okay. good. You're good. <laughs> um, we already know the stats are messed up. Yeah, let's yeah, say it's disproportionate. Seventy percent men, thirty percent women, and of that, for thirty percent women, allegedly half over half of them are bots that the companies are paying. And it's obvious. Most of it is advertisements for people's spicy pages. Right. If you pay attention, like you can spot a catfish. It's not hard, guys. And yeah, I think it's also the other thing is too, they're finding that the vast majority of people in general, but women that I find to a pattern that I find is a lot of my female clients that are on dating apps are the very anxiously attached, like anxious avoidant. So they're going to be the hardest to get on the phone for a phone call. They're going to be avoidant of that first day. They're going to want to have a like text conversation forever. And it feeds into this, ah, like all women are shit, right? <laughs> I understand why men would feel that way. And so if you look at the stats, if you look at the attachment style of women that are typically on those dating apps, and then combine it with this kind of running narrative that I don't feel isn't is true that's being pushed by like the tates of the world that like you gotta be six 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 or whatever it is otherwise no woman will love you but pay 39.99 a month and I'll teach you how to get a date <laughs> I just think it feeds into this perception that is just not reality that a lot of men are have but which is a very chronically online thing we have this idea of our perception of an individual that's chronically online, but we're, but what I'm seeing are a lot of men that have this, they're not in reality of the vast majority of women. Just go to Home Depot garden center, talk to a girl in real life, ask a girl out on a date in real life. Yeah. That, if you saw that TikTok video recently, that didn't really work out. She, Wait, what? she was not happy that the dude approached her at Home Depot. She was like, why would you approach me? Cause he wasn't handsome Who? or good looking. I don't know who it was. It was just some random, random woman that I finally got approached at Home Depot and it wasn't what I wanted. And now I'm upset about it. So I'm going to make a TikTok video. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but part of like so men see that. And now all of a sudden they're just like, see, and there it is. And this is why we don't approach. This is why, because I know I'm a six or below and it's just not worth the effort. So I'm just going to stay alone. It's much easier. 
Yeah, and I think that's maybe there maybe that's something that I perceive as it's like a part of the risk, right? It's no different than what men have been doing for millennia. Right. I go back to I grew up in the late 1900s. Right? I know. So we didn't have cell phones. And I remember a time where, where we weren't texting all the time and you didn't have access to me. And it was freaking fantastic. Yeah. Loved every minute of it. Yeah. Loved it because it gave you time to actually think about the person. What are we going to do on Friday? I get to see right. this person on Friday. That's really exciting. Maybe you saw each other at school or at the junior college or wherever you were working. Whatever. Right. But yeah. we, we didn't have that direct access 24 seven. And I think it's made people much more anxious. And I don't know if that's a direct correlation to men being more anxious, but I get a lot of clients and a lot of questions from men about being anxiously attached. And I don't think we give that enough credit. I know we use a lot of old statistics from the eighties mm-hmm. to define all well, most men are avoidant. I'm seeing more of an increase that most men most, whatever, right? Many, we'll say many, have that anxious attachment style. And yeah, and you can bring that directly back to didn't came from a divorced family and then just go straight on down the line of other problems. And I think here it's, we are. I think problems are easier to solve than we give them credit for. Did I say that right? I think that the anxiety is just in a very simple layman's term explanation it is just an overactive mind there's too much mind energy so you have to drop the energy down into the body and men you're seeing being on your phone listening to the bullshit on social media listening or seeing being on a dating app not having to be in your body and connecting with other women or feeling like what if i did get rejected and what does it feel like to be rejected instead you're just having all of those experiences only in your mind you're not experiencing any of it in your physical reality. So of course you're gonna have a generation of anxious men. Yeah. You have to drop that mind energy down. Put your phone down, put your phone down, go outside, I promise. And this is what I tell my female clients too. Anxiety is just an overactive mind. An overactive mind that's not connecting to spirit, right? So you're just thinking and ruminating on something and the potential threat without experiencing it in your body and without giving it to spirit, like connect, connecting or consulting with spirit. Like, what should I do here? What da, da, da. So it's just, it's like kind of this overactivity that of course it's gonna, that's what we're gonna be seeing in men and women. And that's how Take a Walk With Me started. Yeah, I love that, like, yeah. Throw a ruck on, get outside, go for a walk, focus on nasal breathing, leave your headphones at home. If you got to carry your phone with you, great for safety reasons. I get it, whatever, yeah. but stay off your phone and just right. fo- focus on the walk, right. L- listening to what's happening in your environment, what's around you, lift your head up, look out to the horizon line. Like the, there's so many benefits and watch people when you, cause you're in a big city, big ish. When you walk around, they got their heads down. They're not paying attention to anything. They're focusing yeah. more on their feet than they are on the horizon line. And yeah. it's, wow, man, that, that that says a lot. And it's I don't know if it's out of fear or anxiousness or it's what it is. It's anxiety. One I, of I can't make eye contact with you, right? <laughs> yeah, one of the things I have my clients do often when we're working on like dropping the mind energy down into the body, aka reducing anxiety, is we go on 
no no phone walks silent walks just like you were saying and then we work on smiling eye contact and smiling at strangers even men and so we're seeing the kind of have you been tapping my phone (laughs) i've had this conversation recently with smiling and when you hop on dating apps it's so i use the dating apps not for dating but for content yeah. So it makes it really great to just go through Hinge or go through Bumble and see what everybody's writing and stuff like that. But then you see the pictures that they use and none of them are smiling. <laughs> Every now and then you'll get one that's like super cheesy and they're just like, I'm happy to be here. Like, no, that's and it's, oh my God, you're super attractive. And it's yeah. like, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah. There's a big conversation about that and just how selfie, I think it's more, at least on dating apps, selfie culture. I don't know if you know this, but the lens is like a fish, slightly fish angled. So women like a, there's like this insurgence. Is that the right word? There's like a huge uptick of women getting nose jobs because they're thinking that their noses are bigger than they actually are because of selfies. So a lot of women, I think that's a part of the reason why we're seeing women not smiling in in pictures as often. Uh, Hey, Hey girl, flip your phone around. Yeah. <laughs> Set a timer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I'll, with my coaching, I do look at people's, if they want me to, if they're like trying to date or do dating apps, we'll look at their photos and I'll be like, oh, we gotta, one of the main things that I do with women is I'm like, smile, smile. Yeah. It's like the easiest thing to do. And men don't see it enough and just... And for everybody that likes science supports that when you smile, you become happier. Yes, I know. What was that TikTok that was like, how? (laughs) It was like, this guy was like, was it a TikTok or? Anyways, this guy was like, my, how dumb is my brain that like, part of it is sad and the other parts, I'm just going to smile and it confuses and tricks the sad part into being happy. I think it was like Nate something. I don't know. He's a comedian. Anyways. And so, <laughs> but what is their reasoning for not smiling? Is it really just because of the front facing camera or I just, I, I, I struggle to understand it. Or in real yeah, life? Both. I think it's, I think it's that. I think it's Instagram baddie culture. I think it's the Kardashian effect of so serious, right? Like just yeah. sexy, serious and really it's this idea of what we believe sexy is to men. We can have the whole conversation. Of, he says he wants this, but then he's following all these ladies. But I think that, yeah, the smiling, that's just women thinking that this is what uh, their target audience will find attractive. Yeah. Sweatpants and no makeup is usually like everybody, every guy's go-to. <laughs> they're, they're pretty satisfied with that. Yeah. And I think that, it's don't make that your profile picture for your dating apps. I think what I there, there's a conversation around that and how that can be a bit of a red flag if a guy finds a baddie and then he's oh, but I want you, I only want a natural girl, and then it's like ticking away at everything that once made him attracted to her so that he can maintain a sense of avoiding any sense of like potential for her to leave you, right? Or be stolen from you or whatever. But Do I you also, follow Dana Moon. I don't know. She does all the love is blind stuff, like the comedic sketches. I don't know. She just did one on the whole like makeup thing and was like, there was like a whole thing that happened. I haven't seen the episode yet, so I don't know. That's kind of like the perfect example of a guy that I like you natural, right? But then you 
with someone. But yeah, I think that whole show is what not to do. Don't do any of that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's still yeah. fun to watch. But... But a portion that I think is true in what you're saying is that like when a guy sees you in a state of no makeup and sweatpants, it's it's an indication of intimacy in a different it way. Is. It's, oh, I, I'm seeing this portion of her that nobody else gets to see. She may even get dressed up and go out and look super hot. And that that's a portion that a lot of people get to see her. She posted on her Instagram, but nobody gets to see her without makeup on and in her sweatpants. But everything is, it's a point of contrast that we enjoy it because it's like just a little highlight, not the entirety of the experience. <laughs> and it's peaceful. It's not chaotic. Yeah. It's where it's that indication of relaxation right so now we we have an opportunity to co-regulate right and now that's not what go, goes through the guy's mind because if you ask a guy about co-regulation he's going to have no idea what you're talking about for for most people they they just don't use that language but that that's what's happening when that's going on and and that's all people really want man i think we struggle so much in relationships and we get in our own way with all these other things that are happening on the internet and it's try to bring it back home and focus more on what's happening in your own environment. Yeah, exactly. So what does it mean to be neurospicy? <laughs> I think that's like my, <clears throat> I definitely didn't coin that. I stopped floating around TikTok. I know, but I see people using it and I've never <laughs> taken the time to really dive into it. And so it's since like, you do use it, I guess like now you have to explain yeah. yourself. I guess ADHD, like umbrella, um, there's comorbidities oftentimes with aut autism spectrum and then ADHD. So I think because it's all it's like fluid spectrum experience, that's like the umbrella term that I use. It's going to look different for everybody. <laughs> and this is always an important question when we talk about ADHD, how it relates to dating and what are some of the yeah. kind of the trouble spots that maybe you've experienced in the past or are you dating now? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. how has that been going? <laughs> what, one of the things that I love to say is, are they love bombing or do they just have ADHD? Yeah, I think a big issue and I've definitely done this. I have to give myself parameters is what can be perceived as love bombing in the mind of the ADHD person. You're just like a little butterfly floating around up there <laughs> and so what off. might that look like for you then this podcast interview no <laughs> this is probably what i would do on a date honestly <laughs> just be like a, a podcast interview jumping jumping no like the thoughts and like, oh. like sharing and talking about all of these different things yeah this is just like my wheelhouse of like where my thoughts are typically at any given moment and i think that Oftentimes what I found is in the past, I would be the type that would be on a date for four hours and I'd be like, oh, they love because we hung out for the last four days or two weeks or whatever. And it was just like, and then they bounced. Right. But one thing that I realized and walk my clients through is you have to have, you have to understand kind of your own unique expression of ADHD or neurospiciness or whatever, and then put parameters around it. Like when you're bowling, you have those like mm -hmm. little blow ups, like 
how can I create that in my dating scenario? Because we are going to naturally overshare when we get excited. That's just like what the ADHD person does. Right? I'm, I'm picturing you rolling down, just like hitting yeah. the, the whole way. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so I think it can look like love bombing, especially for the ADHD or, and I, I would be like super stoked on somebody and I'd be like, okay, off doing my own gen thing and it could look that could also look like love bombing but it's something that i've learned we have to i think create some parameters around so that it we don't get into a scenario where the impact of our actions even though our intent was not to be negative the impact of our actions is not harmful so can that create like a push-pull dynamic in a relationship or the beginning of one where you're like into it and then pull away? I think before it definitely did for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that was a big part of it for sure. And I see that kind of patterning a lot. Oftentimes too, the type of guy that I was attracting really wanted somebody to pedestalize. So it was, oh, wow. But that was their pattern to always be attracting somebody that they were like, and then I would be like, and fly away okay did any were those words <laughs> did i make a cohesive box? so you, so you attract people pleasers previously when i was in that patterning yeah and you're no longer in that patterning i think i probably attract a variety of people now it just at this point it's who do i engage with based on the boundaries that i've created that's it so you've been able to set the boundaries and the parameters for what that looks like for you yeah I feel like I'm talking about like that or something. I feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> no, it's just really interesting. No, no. <laughs> it, it's interesting because again, mm -hmm. as I've learned a little bit more about ADHD and I look at my yeah. own past relationships, it's okay. Some of these things start to make a little bit more sense, but then I also have more of a disorganized attachment style. And yep. that, then is the disorganized actually ADHD because it can certainly look like that. It, it just it starts to create a little confusion. That's why, again, I just break things down super simple. And I'm just like, get me here to here and I'm good. Yeah, yeah I definitely have disorganized attachment too. But I think we were talking about this once that I think everybody has a kind of more fluid experience. Unless somebody is like fully avoidant, that's going to probably present as somebody right. who seems more narcissistic, right? right. Uh, or probably has NPD if they're like fully only one note that thing. And they I even define it now that your attachment style is more of a spectrum just based yeah. off of who you interact with. Yeah, I think that's the that feels more true. Yeah. Some people are going to be more calming and other people that are inconsistent, right, are going to cause that chaos within the relationship right. or within you, you're going to start to feel that. And then that's your sign or signal that, hey, maybe this isn't for me, or I have to ask some more clarifying questions to get to what's happening with this person. Yeah. And that like unicorn secure attacher that's exists somewhere in the wild, I feel is it's really more this kind of idea of instead of being triggered by somebody else's response or reactive in dating to somebody's, let's say, anxious attachment or more avoidant attachment or experience within any moment, instead of being triggered to respond a certain way, the secure person would be just like, oh, I see what they're doing. Interesting. And then just keep on keeping on with the self, right? You're not going to be swayed to be super reactive in either direction, neutral, right? Yeah. 
So we talked about dating apps being out. How are you meeting people? What's, um, what's the best way to do that? If we're not using dating apps, what's next? I am of the mindset for women that like we just be your best self and you're going to just be the muse in any room. You're, it's not about how you look. Obviously taking care of yourself is going to be a portion of that, but it's all that energy within. So the more you can just generate internally self-love, acceptance, abundance, the more the masculine is going to be attracted to you. And I think for men, it's just get me, you gotta get that grit back, man. Gotta get that grit. You gotta be willing to take the risk of rejection in order to receive the reward of a really amazing relationship. How do we develop grit? Do everything that scares you. I like that. That's a good answer. Talking stage. Is it real? I guess for the ADHD or it is. No, I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean? Is it real? If you follow Welcome to the Peasant Party, I've had her on the podcast as well. She often dives into the talking stage and what that looks like. The talking stage is actually from the time that you swipe right to the time that you first meet and have consecutive dates. When you go on that next date, now you are dating because it's been multiple dates. So you call it what it is. It is dating. It is not a talking stage. You want to know my thoughts on this? Yeah. I asked. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, Jen, I don't want you to answer me at all. So I can tell you my thoughts on things. No. <laughs> so the this is how I move in dating and how I tell my clients to move. 10 guys in your DMs dating no. five in real life. No. Okay. So if you, let's say you're on a dating app as a woman, you typically don't want to match with more than five guys at a time. And let's say you match with those five guys on a Sunday, right? If they haven't messaged you by Wednesday, you block all of them. And then you redo it. And that is what you do until somebody messages you. And then not somebody, we have a very specific list of the type of man that we are drawing in. Okay. So this is like the process. Then if you're feeling the vibe, all it's going to be tops two to three exchanges of like back and forth on within the dating app the and you can get a google number because some women don't want to give out their number right then you send them your number and you say hey i'm not on this often here's my number call me to plan a date and if a guy texts me he can text to i was just thinking you can go to my calendly and set up a zoom meeting that's great <laughs> no but it's like get on the phone yeah. get on the phone see if you even like vibe with somebody and then plan a date like that's just what it should be. Everybody, like, don't waste your time, right? There's going to be people, there's going to be men and women that are just, they'll waste your time, they'll waste your money. So just get to the point. And if somebody texts to be like, hey, I'm confirming this is your number. Can I call you at X time? Yeah, for sure. That's cool. If somebody tries to text when I've already said call, no. Then, because what you're looking for, if you're a feminine woman, you want a guy that isn't afraid of pursuing you. Right. You want a guy that will sh like actively pursue. He'll pursue, he'll plan. Because the more you're with a guy that can do that, the less you're going to have to do anything other than be the feminine that is providing him the download from spirit, intuition, opening, helping to open up his heart space, providing him security in the spiritual realm because we're the pro providers of 
protection within spirituality, uh, within the spiritual realm and the exchanges, they provide the protection within the physical masculines. Yeah, I would say that there is no dating, talking phase, dating phase. It doesn't really matter. Action matters to me. I don't really, it doesn't matter to me. The labels yeah. of all of that, it's like, is he, has he taken you out on a date? No. Why is he, why is his number in your phone? <laughs> I like that. Really, there should, I have, there should be no man's number in your phone that isn't actively pursuing you. It's setting the intention for what you want and what you want to receive. And there's nothing wrong with having that expectation. That's the type of dynamic that you're setting up for yourself. It's just different stages and different levels of dating. There are people that are down at the lower end of the spectrum and their expectations are obviously going to be a lot lower because of who they believe that they are, what they're capable of receiving, what they believe that they should be receiving. Because we're always going to get back in life what we think that we deserve. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you also have to recognize who you are in relationship to what you want, because I know that I can't get, you know, a particular person at a particular level with a particular income like that's not attainable for where I'm at in life because it's you don't have access to those types of people or whatever it is. So you have to become that. you would have you have to become the type <laughs> well, you have to become that type of person that can then gain access to that's it. Types of people. This is, that's the real thing. That's the real thing. So what I'll have my clients do often is if they're wanting to manifest their dream partner. Okay, we're going to do an exercise. Close your eyes. You're going to picture yourself. You're walking down the street. You see your dream partner walking towards you. I want you to write down every single thing about them. What do they look like? What do they smell like? Where are they going? What are their hobbies? What do they do for work? What's their relationship with their family like? Do, are they single? Hopefully they're single. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> do they have children? Are they divorced? Are they Have they never been married? Like that kind of relationship. <laughs> Hopefully everybody's single. Um, <laughs> and then you're going to get all that, all that down. Next list. I'm going to do that same thing. Close your eyes. Imagine them standing walking towards you down the street. And they're holding hands with their dream partner. I want you to write everything about their dream partner now. But the hack to all of it is this all exists in your mind, right? All of this is just like your own construct of what these amazing people are, right? So really your dream partner's dream partner is your highest self. It's showing you and it's going to give you a map between every place in your life that you've settled and where you actually want to be, right. right? Because your initial experience in that visualization may be jealousy and then immediate resentment if you're not comfortable experiencing jealousy or acknowledging your own jealousy. But if you can push past that and realize that, oh, my jealousy is my greatest guide. It's actually showing me all of the places I've settled in my life. Okay, how do I, instead of pushing this away and resenting it, how do I allow it to be my map that shows me exactly where my soul desires to go in this lifetime. Yeah. It's processing and embodying. Yeah. And when you can get there, it's just so important for people to recognize that, yeah, we are better together. We are wired for connection, right? But you're only ever going to accept the type of connection that you think you deserve, which is right. always going to be a mirror of who you're currently being. Yeah. So if you don't like what you're getting, then that's the opportunity for you to go inward, cultivate a little self-awareness, begin yeah. to work on those all those skills that 
you may be lacking in this moment. It doesn't mean that they're not achievable, but it is going to take work and effort to cultivate that self-awareness, to work through all of that, to get to the place where you have access to the type of people that you want to spend time with, that you want to date, that you feel make you a better human, and that you can be able to do that for one another. Yes. That's the goal. I love it. And I, I think- saw somebody ask a question. What's your advice for men in dating? Um, <clears throat> don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't listen to him. Let's talk about this in a couple different ways. Because yeah. I'm in an area where there's probably 250,000 people mm-hmm. within a 50-mile radius. Yeah. So that's not a lot of people. And when it comes to potential dating opportunities and stuff like that, very small compared to what I'm doing with my life, the type of things that I'm doing, what I'm looking for, how I act, the way that I am, all of that stuff, we bring it all together. I would do much better in a bigger city because then you're going to have more access to people that are doing the same and similar things to what you're doing that you would actually be able to connect with. So let's talk about it from those two standpoints of being in a small area with not a lot of options. And then the big area with a lot of options. What's your advice for men? It just takes one. True. I don't listen to the statistics. Honestly, I know men are very linear processing, but the statistics are like, it's your bubble burster. It's, it's an excuse I see men taking statistically, statistically, statistically. <laughs> there's there's all, truth in your experiences as well. So it's percent, but a lot of, like we were talking about earlier, a lot of these experiences are not had firsthand. They're accumulation of anxious. What ifs a bad dating uh, coach advice based on what we see online. Right. Yeah. So I think the more this is like dropping that mind energy down into the body, really like doing, getting into your body every day to give you the confidence enough to be able to approach a woman out in the wild and ask her on a date to do the thing that scares you. Right. I think asking women out in person, IRL, and then in that moment, remembering that nobody owes you anything. You don't, you're not owed anything in this life. That's a very key thing to remember, especially for men in order to like, because I think what they're afraid of is being perceived as like a creepy guy. But the guys that are not perceived as creepy are the men that don't believe they're owed anything. So they're oh, okay. That woman didn't take me up on my offer to take her out. No worries. Plenty more where that came from. Playful, kind, fun, approachable, right? Easygoing. If that's the energy that you're meeting this other person with, there's a high likelihood at a minimum they'll have a conversation with you or just flat out, hey, thanks, rejection. I'm busy. I got to go. And this is too the thing, like you could do everything. You can have all of that energy down and somebody could just be in a shitty mood that day and you catch them at the wrong time and they're like, get away from me. And it has nothing to do with you. Have you ever read The Four Agreements? Mm -hmm. I think everybody should read that book. It's Um, one of the book suggestions. Oh, I love it. Look at that. But yeah, never taking taking anything personally. Yeah, that's really hard to do though. It's hard until it's not. (laughs) <laughs> well, you just, again, it's recognizing that, yeah, just because they said no, or there was a rejection, or they turned up their nose, it's not be. you give everything meaning, 
when you attach a meaning, oh, she wrinkled her nose and said, no, that means I'm ugly. That That's not what was said at all. That's not what was meant by that. It was, she could have been taken off guard and just didn't expect that in this moment. I was just trying to get my latte. Now, all of a sudden, I got this dude in my face. Yeah. 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 I think the more we can just chill out, rejection sensitivity is a very real thing. And I think it, it will lessen, I promise it lessens the more we all get out and just interact with people in real life. Or do what I do and just ask a bunch of people to be on podcasts. <laughs> so your roundabout way, creeper. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no but I, I will say when you take the time to do this type of yeah. stuff, you're going to, I mean, you expand your network so much. Huge, freaking massive. Um, imagine the only reason that your network is expanding is because you're taking a risk in your own life to get closer every single day to your dream life. And you do things that are scary, like reaching out to people and like asking, hey, do you want to do this? And like, a year ago, none of this, I don't know, maybe you wouldn't even perceive this to have been a thing or it's not to the scale that you could have imagined. Yeah. A year ago, I had no concept of the 21 day self-love challenge existed, but not like this. And then having access to the people that, that I've gained access to, to be a part of this challenge that they know just enough about me to believe that this is something that's worthwhile, that's beneficial, that they want to be a part of, that they want to yeah. share their personal experiences right. with everybody here as well, so that they can learn and grow, develop and become new, become different. And to learn about self-love and self-actualization right. and to become the person that you know that you can be, that, that inner greatness, that inner knowing, that little nudge that's inside of you that's telling you that you need to become this person, right. to, to finally listen to that and be okay with being that person. Being okay with being you is gold. It's access to everything. And so, yeah, no, I didn't think a year ago that this is where this would be, but I knew this is where I was moving to. And of course now, and this is why I encourage everybody, expand your network in some way, shape or form, go out and do something new, do something different, get out in groups with real people in real life. And, real life, yeah. and there's going to be somebody within that group that says, Hey, I know this gal, Karen, and she's pretty nifty. You guys would probably hit it off. You should probably take her out on a date. I know. I know. And it happens and it works and it's wonderful because people know you. Yes. And oftentimes the most healthy people I know are not on dating apps. Yeah. They're just living their life. And the more you can just remember that like anything could happen. We always think about it in like the negative way, but like really like life is fucking crazy because anything could happen. Right. A year ago, you could have never... Maybe there was like in the mind's eye somewhere where you are right now, but it wasn't like in your conscious thought and like you just stepping out, doing something new, something scary, developing that grit day in and day out. It has brought you to this point where you're creating this experience for so many people. Anything can happen. It happens all the time. Yeah. I encourage you to bet on yourself. Yeah. Like you said, grit, develop the grit have that available to you, the mental fortitude to bet on yourself, believe in yourself and to know that, yeah, you know what? You might not know what happens next and, right. that, and that's okay. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I always, whenever I'm like super scared about something, I just fall back to, it's just a simulation. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Yeah, we're all going to wake up in these vats of goo. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
yeah, whatever. Might as well not take myself too seriously. (laughs) Jen, I can't thank you enough for taking the time today to talk to everybody within the challenge and provide us with your knowledge and experience. It's always a fun conversation with you. Thank you for having me. Tell people how they can hook up with you, meet you, uh, work with you, all that stuff. Creative Jen, creative.jen. It's going to be creative with a K, no E at the end. Dot Jen across TikTok, Instagram. I think that's pretty much it. I'm not on Facebook. We had that conversation. And you're going to get on Facebook. On YouTube. I'm going to get on Facebook. Yeah. All right, guys, with that, I want to thank you for being part of the challenge today, for showing up on a Sunday. So thank you for being here, and I'll see you tomorrow.